0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
1: Three, two, one.
0: Imagine
2: that you've got these two big red eyes. And out of your back,
1: sprout. Two big wings. And out of your sides. Six legs. And your lips stretch forward into a straw pretty long one, too. It's like longer than your whole hit. It's covered in spikes and you use it to drink up
2: Well, a meal made out of another creature's blood. And that's where things get freaky. You are a Titsi Fly now.
1: (laughs) So now is the part where I make you guess the words to our theme song. (laughs) Terrestrials, terrestrials, we are not not the the worst. worst, we are
2: Terrestrials. Yeah, you
1: got it. (laughs) Terrestrials is a show where we uncover the strangeness right here on Earth and sometimes break out in song.
2: There's so much to discover if you have the thirst.
1: Terrestrials, terrestrials. So, so stretch, stretch out, out your, your
2: proboscis, which is a word for the insect's mouthparts, and take a slurp.
1: T- terrestrials, terrestrials. <laughs> oh, Good voice is not required. I am your host, Lulu Miller, joined as always by my song by... Bud, hey, buds. Alan. What's the buzz? And today, as you can probably tell, things do get a little yuck as we look close at this horsefly-looking creature who can drink three times its weight in your blood... But for the squeamish out there, I want to ask you to hold tight if you can, because what this story is really about is a magical technique for working through your disgust and the gifts, the beautiful, funny, and even life-saving surprises that await when you do. Oh. All of which I learned about. From this guy.
2: Yeah. Dr.
1: Sammy Ramsey.
2: I am an entomologist.
1: That is fancy speak for bug scientist. And to call him a bug lover... Doesn't do justice to the amount of affection he has for these creatures. He's got beetles hanging on his wall. He has been known to wear a giant millipede around his neck.
2: Like a necklace, and he would just run around in circles around my neck very slowly.
1: Hmm. He routinely sticks his hand into beehives.
2: They can get a little uh, rowdy. Because they've got a pretty important thing they need to protect. They need to protect their babies. they got to protect all this honey.
1: And even that time...
2: I forgot my smoker.
1: A tool that blows smoke on the bees to distract them.
2: And I thought, oh, this particular colony is just so
1: cranky. And cranky bees mean they might sting you, right? They might sting me. Instead of, you know, not sticking his hand into the beehive that day. I just started
2: singing. Okay. What song? I think it was a Beyonce song.
1: How you doing,
2: honey, baby? I know I don't ask for much, but for gasping spending time alone. And he says, Hey, yeah.
1: the bees
2: really mellowed
1: out. No. And yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Not a single sting. No smoke. Whoa. No nothing.
1: Listeners, do not try the Beyonce technique at home.
2: And it was pretty cool.
1: And Sammy has found a way to make this love. His day job, he works at a special bug unit of the U.S. government Mm -hmm. where he is constantly handling bugs and photographing bugs. Have you ever eaten a bug?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have had silkworm caterpillars, dried and fried.
1: Oh, why? (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, so—I'm— I'm trying to expand my mind.
2: Me 15 years ago would have been just as judgmental of the whole thing, but (laughs) I've learned that so many cultures around the rest of the world do consume bugs. They're a great source of nutrition, and they contribute a lot less to climate change than the organisms that we factory farm all the time to feed people. So just saying.
1: Touche. Please continue.
2: I've had cookies with crickets in them, banana nut muffins, where the nuts were actually mealworms. Mm-hmm. I've had larvae of red ants. Mm. They have like this citrusy taste.
1: And while yeah, I would love to them, keep listening to Sammy talk. I've
2: had cicadas as well.
1: In like, extensive culinary detail.
2: They've got sort of like a shrimpy, nutty thing going on.
1: About all the bugs that we can eat.
2: Oh, I've had giant water bugs.
1: Sammy has come here to tell us about this bug that eats us.
2: The tsetse fly. Or setse flies, some say. I don't think there's actually a right way to pronounce it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So our story about the tsetse fly, this creature that today is only found in certain forested, swampy parts of Africa, begins over 34 million years ago when an ancient fly crawled its way out of the dirt, brushed itself off, and took off, tummy rumbling, looking for food.
2: We're not sure what the range of snacks was for the original Fly.
1: Sammy explains that at first, the tsetse fly likely used its handy-dandy straw mouth to suck up nectar from flowers or juice from fruit. But at a certain point, it figured out that it could get way more nutrients if it used that straw to suck up blood from other creatures. Making tsetse's and other blood-feeding flies like it.
2: Parasites.
1: And particularly
2: skilled parasites. They had... These really sharp straw mouth parts that are actually made up of different needle-like parts that are able to use to ratchet through the skin, even of things like crocodiles, which have really, really tough skin.
1: So throughout history, these hungry flies sawed through the thick scales of crocs and tortoises until eventually much easier meals started showing up.
0: And the bite from this tsetse fly is excruciatingly painful.
1: This is Dr. Paul Mareggi, a scientist who studies tsetse flies and a human who grew up alongside them in western Kenya.
0: What they have in their mouth is like a a saw. So they they are pool feeders.
1: Wait, sorry, they're what feeders?
0: Pool feeders.
1: Pool feeders? Wait, okay, so you're saying instead of a kind of like a needle that goes in, they have a saw that just scrapes it open and makes like a giant pool of blood that they just slurp. Up? Yes. Ow. And unlike a mosquito that you can, you know, defend yourself against with a nice little smack. So tsetse
2: flies are pretty flat, and you pressing down on it is not going to make it much flatter.
1: Oh. And as that hard to squash little body is filling up on about three times its own body weight in your blood (laughs) to be light enough to fly away.
2: The tsetse fly has to void some of its um, digestive uh, Uh, system.
1: And when you are using that lovely word void, what do you (laughs) mean?
2: It poops on you. Yeah.
1: But it's shortly before that moment that the tsetse fly turns from gnarly to deadly. Because as it bites through your skin, it can pass along
2: parasites from the tsetse fly into the body of the host.
1: Oh wait, so there can be parasites inside parasites?
2: Oh, yeah. And sometimes there are parasites that live in parasites that live in parasites that live in parasites.
1: Whoa. And the stowaway parasites inside the tsetse fly are really bad news because they carry a disease known as… …sleeping
2: sickness. It's pretty debilitating, and
0: some
1: people die from it.
0: It's very terrifying. Because they are they are everywhere, they are surrounding.
1: Paul explains that he spent a lot of his childhood trying to hide from the tsetse fly.
0: Just to avoid being beaten.
1: So he'd never go down to the river in the morning because that's when the flies tended to be more active.
0: So that kept us away from the river in the morning.
1: And if a wave of flies rolled in when he was driving in the car with his family, he'd have to
0: close the windows, and so you are inside the car. It's extremely hot. You can't open the windows because the swarms of tessit flies will get into the car. Mm.
1: And beyond that, there were entire places around him. Beautiful hilltops or fields of orange flowers where Paul and his friends were forbidden from going.
0: Because wherever you go there, you come back dozing off sick. Huh. Bad homing. That was how we described those areas.
1: Bad omen, like bad luck.
0: Yeah, bad omen.
1: Now, because of how tsetse flies appeared to us, they have not been historically well loved. In fact, back in the 1800s, when scientists went around ranking all creatures on Earth on a scale of goodness. They placed tsetse flies and other parasites way down at the bottom. They reasoned that because of the way these creatures behaved, biting into our skin, lazily freeloading off our blood, and, people assumed for a long time, neglecting their babies by just laying a bunch of eggs and flying off, all this made the creatures objectively, scientifically, bad news for the planet. For a long time, this was how Paul... Yes. And even Sammy... Oh, yeah. Saw say, say flies. Mm-hmm. And pretty much all bugs.
2: Uh, let me tell you, when I say that I was afraid of bugs, it's truly an understatement. Wait, y- really? I was absolutely terrified. I thought the insects were out for my ill. I thought that they were intentionally trying to hurt me. I thought bees were looking for a person... To sting, I thought that mosquitoes were intentionally trying to make me itchy. Uh, I thought that crickets were trying to keep me up at night with all of that loud racket that they were making.
1: He didn't even want to go outside for recess because there might be bugs out there. And when his sister realized he was scared of bugs, she would sometimes grab beetles or ants. Hey, Sammy, there's a bug on you. And throw them at him.
2: Oh, so I I lost my mind in panic. Rather than brushing the insect off, I would just run around in circles. Screaming, and then
1: he'd feel embarrassed for being so scared. Oh, man. And his fears of bugs began crawling their way into his dreams.
2: I was always the smallest person in class. And I used to dream that the bugs were strong enough to carry me away. So, like, just a swarm of ants would come into my bed at night and carry me out of my house down into their anthill where they would divide me up and consume me. It's a scary, scary little world to live in.
1: And maybe it would have gone that way forever had his mom not pulled him aside one day and said, Sammy, you got to stop running.
2: She said, Sammy, people fear what they don't understand. If you understood them, then you wouldn't
1: fear them. So cautiously, Sammy headed toward the entomology section of his library and began taking out books on ants and crickets and mosquitoes and termites. I kept seeing
2: all of these cool pictures really close up of these creatures that I'd never bothered to really, really look at and seeing all these cool Mm. extra appendages and things they had and all this interesting stuff that they could do. Like building cities
1: and regrowing limbs and surviving the most extreme conditions These weren't monsters, they're inventors and musicians and protectors looking for food and family. They also became
2: something I identified with. I was always the smallest kid in class. I was the shortest, I was the skinniest, but to find that these creatures, these really, really, really tiny organisms, they can build structures that are visible from space. They can like do awesome stuff at an incredibly small size. And that was
1: inspiring to me. And by the time he hit high school, he had become so unafraid of bugs that he started wearing his giant 14-inch millipede Leroy, my millipede! around his neck. Was it kind of like a uh, like a showing off to your classmates? Uh-huh,
2: yeah, yeah, we call it a flex.
0: You can see the flexi
1: flies. Speaking of flexes. Oh my gosh, wait, are those actual tzitzit yeah. flies right there?
0: Yes, we have them here, as you can see. Yeah.
1: In the middle of our interview, yeah. Paul, exactly. over in Kenya, pulls out this tambourine-looking thing that is filled with living tzitzit flies. You know, it looks like you have almost 20 or so of them, and they're in this cage, yeah. flying around. <laughs> Does that make you nervous to have them so close to you? Like they're... They're, they Right now, they look like they're swarming. They look like they're trying to get out of that little cage. Like, I feel nervous. Do you feel nervous? No. And the reason why not is that Paul used the same magic trick as Sammy. At a certain point, he began looking closer at the thing he feared. He became a scientist specializing in the tsetse fly, as he puts it, because he wanted to gain control over the bug.
0: Because from the time I was a small boy, the bugs were controlling me. They were deciding when I should go to the river. They were deciding when I could go to the forest. They were deciding when I could play out with my friends. And now I decided that the best thing for me is to go back and control the bugs. Let the bugs be by my rules.
1: How one man tries to make millions of bugs play by his rules after this short break. right, we are back with a whole lot of tsetse flies and a man named Paul who has just set out to... So the way that people usually control fly populations, like mosquitoes, say, is that they, um, well, they kill their babies. They target the places where the fly is likely to lay their eggs, stagnant water or dense brush, and then they'll clear that stuff away. And voila, no more adults. But Paul learned that for some frustrating reason, this technique would not work with tsetse flies. So he began looking closer at the creature through microscopes and in obscure studies and science books. And that's when he learned this totally shocking thing, which completely stunned Sammy too.
2: With tsetse flies, the weird thing about it is their egg hatches inside of their body,
1: and Wait, they actually—what you mean? I thought insects laid thousands of eggs out in the world and that's just that's just how insects well, do that's it. That's
2: actually not how the tsetse fly does it.
1: Wait, meaning they don't lay eggs so they, they don't get pregnant, do they?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got this really thin back end, the abdomen. That's the place where the baby would normally be. Mm-hmm. But after they start developing this child, it swells to ridiculous size, multiple times the size what it was before.
1: Also, are you saying that the Baby bump is on the booty?
2: Yeah, the baby bump is on the, it's, it's a, booty baby, <laughs> it's a booty, baby booty
1: baby bump. It's a booty baby bump, booty baby it's bump. a booty, booty baby bump. that junk junkie, your junk, no it's a little sexy punk, But the strangeness does not stop there because as scientists looked closer, they realized that those tsetse moms.
2: They actually will keep their baby fed on milk that they produce inside of their body and feed to their offspring
1: which is crazy. Wait, but okay. What do you mean milk? Like <laughs> not milk. Like we're talking about a bug. Bugs don't have milk, do they? Well, bugs do
2: have milk,
1: and I take exception <laughs> with your skepticism. <laughs> My tone here, I've been judgy again. No, but like, okay, aren't mammals, which humans are and, you mm-hmm. know, cuddly little dogs and elephants like aren't we the only things that do milk? Isn't that what makes us special?
2: So we are not the only things that do milk.
1: And we nur- and it's like that science thing. We nurse our babies. We tend we to them. We don't just them. lay eggs yeah. and leave them. Like we're, I feel like that's what makes us think we're in the caring class of animals. We
2: are in the caring class, but we're not the only game in town.
1: Sammy explains that if you want to rank animals by how well they care for their babies, tsetse flies arguably score even higher than us because they incubate those babies in their bellies for proportionally longer to their lives
2: than we do. Well, the tsetse flies keep that child inside of them (laughs) until it's pretty much the day before it's an adult. That's so
1: weird to picture being inside the womb until you're, like, in high school.
2: Like, you're basically born with a briefcase in a car. <laughs> it's time for you to get a job.
1: And because they come out into the world so fully developed, some scientists even guess that the survival rate of tzitzi babies is better than ours. Oh, yeah, for sure. That is humbling. <laughs> And just to further shake our sense of specialness, Sammy pointed out that tsetse flies aren't even that much of an outlier. They aren't even the only bugs that make milk.
2: There's even roach milk.
1: <coughs> cockroaches?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. like, like cockroaches, cockroaches. <sighs> it is some of the most nutritious milk that we know of.
1: Sammy told me there are even labs looking in to how to bottle this stuff. Okay. I am opening this package from Omaha, Nebraska. Shortly after our interview, we talked our way into getting one of these labs to send some cockroach milk for Sammy and me to taste. Oh my God, there are two little vials here. (laughs) It looks kind of like maple syrupy, but white with like darker grains. Am I really going to do this? Do you think this is really our future? Like, are we going to have... Roach milk in the supermarket alongside goat milk and rice milk and Oh, I hope so. I hope
2: so. And that may sound like a really weird thing for a human being to say.
1: But Sammy so reasons with so many cockroaches scurrying all around all over the planet, harvesting their milk might be better for the environment than the milk from big gassy cows. We're constantly belching out tons of methane gas, which is a significant contributor to climate change. I can't believe I'm about to try roach milk. (laughs) All right, no, but seriously, any little, like, can you give me a jingle to get in the mood here? Okay.
2: You've tried the cow and you've tried the goat, but how about
1: now you milk a roach? (laughs) How about that? Okay, let's just do it. Bottoms up. Cheers.
2: Oh. I'm shaking. I kind of like that.
1: There's like a cucumber surprisingly salty. Acrid. <laughs> ruined dreams of sunshine. <laughs> Woo. Okay, so speculative dairy scenarios aside, back to Paul with the real problem of real people being hurt by real tsetse flies right now. Yeah. Once Paul learned that there were no tsetse fly eggs out there in the world— For him to ambush, he realized that to control the tsetse fly population, he was going to need to make the adults come to him. Exactly. So, he learned their favorite color.
0: Tsetse flies like people who dress in blue and black, blue, like in jeans.
1: Wait, what? They like the color blue?
0: Yes, blue and black.
1: It's Favorite animal. The buffalo. Nothing like a big, wet, stinky water buffalo. Its favorite place. The river. And then Paul deviously combined all three of these things, the river, the buffalo, and the colors black and blue, into the perfect trap. trap. He hung a big, black cloth near the blue river, and he smothered the cloth in a liquid that smelled like...
0: The urine of the buffalo.
1: He added a little poison, and then he waited
0: a little bit far away with the binoculars.
1: Until... I've never heard of someone looking at insects with binoculars. Can you actually see flies with binoculars?
0: Yes, you can see from a distance.
1: And through his binoculars, he watched as one tsetse fly landed on the cloth, dipped its little straw in the poison, began to fly away.
0: Again, collapse and it collapsed and fell down.
1: Where it lay on the forest floor Until eventually...
0: It is taken away by ants. Wow.
1: I'm picturing you watching through your binoculars as the ants come and eat it, like carry it off and eat it. Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel victorious? Do you feel like, ha ha ha, like, I got got you?
0: A very big sense of relief. Because from every such a fly that is eaten away, is one bite less, guaranteed one bite less for me and for everyone around me.
1: These days, sleeping sickness is very well controlled in Kenya. Thanks to new medicines and thanks to Paul's work, bites themselves have even gone down. If you could just snap your fingers and make all the tsetse flies go away, on planet Earth. Would you do it?
0: No, I would not bounded. Because it is upset.
1: Paul is explains upset. that when he looks down at the creature biting his skin, sure, he sees a gnarly little bugger that he is literally in the business of trying to kill. But when he zooms out, when he looks at a map of the national parks in Africa, he can't help but to wonder if many of those green spots on the map were able to stay protected because of the tsetse fly. Or, you know, our human fear of it.
0: Bad homing. He described it as a bad omen,
1: Which kept not just Paul and his neighbors away from certain mountains and parts of the savanna, but outsiders like colonists and loggers and developers who might otherwise have long ago destroyed the nature in those parks. Which is why these days, in Paul's community...
0: The tsetse fly is considered the guardian of the savanna.
1: The, the guardian? Yes. Huh. The closer scientists like Paul and Sammy look at the tsetse fly, the more they realize how much they had been missing by looking away. Oh, yeah. For instance, Sammy got all dazzled about how the tsetse fly filters out toxins from our blood because he figured if we could learn how they do that, it could help us decontaminate water supplies, or who knows?
2: Like, these creatures have had to solve some really complicated situations. And we have some big, scary, hairy problems to solve ourselves. Things like world hunger and global warming are going to require us to really, really think. And I think a lot of these answers are going to come from creatures that have used their creativity to solve all kinds of problems themselves. Unfortunately, those may be creatures that can test the boundaries of our ability to wonder, but I hope that we'll push those boundaries more and keep the wonder going.
1: Uh-oh, someone's got a triangle. If you're feeling stale or stuck, scared, bored, or out of luck, try a new point of view to get yourself unstuck. You I gotta, gotta yuck, 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 yuck. Help me, I don't know what I'm gonna find. I try to have an open mind, but you are crunching you on something, something disgusting. disgusting, yuck. I just want to say, it's okay Yeah, it's fine to
2: change your mind any time And redefine what you like I know that you're brave, yeah And I know that you can change, yeah But don't bug me
0: with your yuck Hey! You better suck it up Like I say say No! Hey,
2: Dr. Sammy. Yo. You got anything you want to put on this track? Oh, I got you. I didn't choose the bug life. The bug life chose me. (laughs) All right, boss. What's on the menu? Here we go. I've had silkworm caterpillars dried and fried. A little bit of sugar makes the flavor come alive. Banana nut and muffins with worms inside. The crunchier, the better, now open wide. The thing about bugs is they're just another critter. They all evolved because they were fitter. Better, stronger, smarter, quicker. So
0: we can get a lot from them besides dinner.
2: That makes you duck the most. Take a whip of something
0: new, even if it smells like pretty roses Watch out, we've got an appetite to take a bite, or give it
1: something new and try. It. Hurry up before I change my mind. Three, two, one. And oh. if feel sailor stuck, scared, bored, about a lot, try a new
2: point of view to get yourself unstucky, you you got a yum, yum, yuck. yuck.
1: The one and only Alan Gafinski Terrestrials was created by me, Lulu Miller, with WNYC Studios. It is produced by the terrific Ana Gonzalez and Alan Gafinsky. Plus, you know me, with help from Susie Lechtenberg, Sarah Samback, Natalia Ramirez, Joe Plord, Natalie Mead, and Sarita Bot. Sound design and additional editorial guidance by Mira Bertwin Tonic. Terrestrials is supported in part by Science Sandbox, an initiative of the Simons Foundation, as well as the Arthur Vining Davis Foundation. Our advisors are Thean Griffith, Dominique Shabazz, Liza Steinberg-Demby, Tara Welty, and Aliyah Elijah. Special thanks to Jeffrey Atardo and Paul Ayayi and his lab at the University of Nebraska for sending us cockroach milk, a sentence I thought I would never utter. <laughs> Those are D's, not T's. You get it if you get it. And that's it. You should stop listening. Who listens to credits? Honestly, there is life to live. What's that? Excuse me. I have a question. Me too. Me three. Me four. The Badgers. Listeners with badgering questions for the expert. Are you ready? Yeah. Hi, my name is Aiden and I'm 12. (laughs) Is there anything that makes a mosquito bite you instead of someone else?
2: So, mosquitoes really like people who are sweating and people who are exhaling a lot. So, if you happen to be doing a lot of exercising outdoors, you will attract more mosquitoes. Oh. Um, There's been some research around this, and bananas actually do have some uh, components in them that seem to, in some people, make them more attractive (gasps) to mosquitoes.
1: That is bananas.
2: My name is Jad, and here's my question. If a mosquito is biting your arm and you flex your arm muscles right at the moment that its little proboscis is going into your arm and it's drawing out the blood, if you flex your arm right at that moment, will the mosquito explode or is that just an urban myth? (laughs) Is that Jed Evan Yeah. Oh, that makes me very happy. Mosquitoes have been around for a long time. Evolutionarily, they've got all kinds of pumps and mechanisms in place to uh, prevent the backflow system that would allow for an influx of blood to make them blow up.
1: Myth, unlike the mosquito, Buster Hi, my name is Jude.
2: And how old are you? Free. Do ants make sounds? Hey Jude. Ants do make sounds. Um, Some of the most famous ants that make sounds are the queens. So queen ants have a special sound that only they make in the colony. The queen saying, I'm your queen, give me your food. But there are some butterflies that have gotten into ant colonies and have figured out how to hijack that system. They lay an egg, their baby hatches from the egg, and the caterpillar walks around the colony making the same sound as the queen. <laughs> I am your queen, feed me! And the ants feed them and raise them like their queens. Oh,
1: sneaky. All right, I'm gonna leave it there with the parasitic butterfly waiting in the wings. You know, I I wasn't sure about parasites, but they are growing on me. <laughs> okay, you're free. No more parasite puns. Go enjoy your life. If you would like to badger, our next expert, or check out cool drawing prompts, check out our website at terrestrialspodcast.org. All kinds of neat stuff there. Thanks for listening. See ya in a couple spins of this lumpy old planet of ours.